In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Good afternoon. Good Monday afternoon. We're really happy to have you to join us on this edition of The Kingdom and Its Stories. And today uh, we have with us uh, Ruth O'Reilly, who is in Western Kenya, and she and her husband started a ministry called Ebenezer Ministries um, a number of years ago, and they're they're uh, doing incredible work working with um, several hundred orphans and widows um, uh, that are in this uh, in this part of of Kenya, and it's it's really. Um, a beautiful example of what it means for God's people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so uh, with me um, and uh, and Ruth uh, today is Julian Gibb, who's my co-host. Julian, say good morning, or good no, morning. good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Yeah, good. Okay, Julian and, and I are going to be interviewing Ruth. And so Ruth... Um, Tell me, when did when did you and Joe begin the ministry of Ebenezer Ministries? Uh, thank you very much. We began the ministry in 2000, the year 2000. Okay, so you, at that time, you've been going for about 20 years then, is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and what are the, the main components of the ministry? The main components are the, the children, uh, the vulnerable children. That includes orphans, total orphans, partial orphans, uh, street children, and children who come from very poor families. Then we have the Ebenezer Widows Program. Then we have uh, Ebenezer School to transform the children with knowledge. And then we have the community program that we do. And uh, the late Pastor Joe used to do a lot of cotton. And I mean, ministering to people how to change their lives using the parcels of land that they, that they have. And today we are trying to talk about microfinance. Yes. How we can help them with seed money. Yes. Okay. So that's more than two programs. Um, I think you told me the other day that you have eight different programs, um, uh, including the orphanage, the vulnerable children. Uh, the widows, the cotton growing, the microfinance, which you're just beginning now, and um, a number of other programs. Ruth, my goodness, um, that's what is your position in this ministry? Are you the director? Uh, my position, I'm the assistant director. Okay. Of this uh, program, yeah, the, we call it Ebenezer Life Center. The children's home is part of that life center. Right. And I understand you have more than 300 children in the uh, in the orphanage. Yes. How many children yes. altogether do you have? Uh, I would say close to currently 800 because the Ebenezer has 320. Uh, the Ayuayo School has uh, 291. The street program has 55 children. 
And uh, we have home-based children also whom we support. So basically we talk between 800 to 1,000 because at the same time we have abandoned children wow. and children in district. Yes. Yeah. Well, you you must be very rich to uh, people to be able to have that kind of a program. Is that true? No, we have the word of God and we have friends like you uh, that uh, help us take care of the children. We voice out for the children's need. And uh, we have had some partners uh, who bring in, some bring in some substantial amounts, uh, like New Life Mission, but some bring as little as uh, $300, but we put it into good use. Then we farm, and we have a school where we raise some income also. Okay, so you farm, and what, yes. what kind of farming do you do? We grow uh, maize, uh, which is a staple food. Then okay. we grow rice, rice right. for the children. Yes. Then we grow assorted vegetables for the children. And now we are planting fruit trees. Uh, what was the last thing you said? You have what? We have we are planting fruit trees. Oh, fruit trees. Ah, uh, Joe good. used to say that uh, the, in, 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 in the garden of God, there are 12 valuable fruits. So we are trying to <laughs> yeah. grow. Okay. Oh, great. What are some of the challenges that the uh, the children that you're taking care of and uh, the widows, what, what are some of the challenges that they're facing? Uh, the, uh, the biggest challenge is the cultural issues because when you're an orphan, uh, it's almost like you have been dispossessed of your parents, whatever um, uh, uh, things they had like land. Nobody wants to look after you when you're young, when you're like beyond below 10 years. So you're actually like, you could almost go to the streets and you're emotionally challenged. A lot of them go through a lot of emotional distress. Uh, for the widows, it's because uh, you're no longer uh, treated like you're part of that family. You're treated as a foreigner and uh, your in-laws want to disinherit you. And so because uh, most of the widows, they, are not as, they don't have formal employment. They depend on the land. And if they are dispossessed or disinherited, then you can imagine that uh, they don't have a good life. So mm. challenges is just about social cultural challenges that now emanate to economic challenges, lack of, uh, you know, livelihood. Actually, that's what I was saying. So how, how do you how do you then begin to approach these cultural issues to be able to help bring about you know a change in perspective? Uh, we began to talk about the Word of God. And what God says in his word to bring back the self-esteem to the people. We began uh, giving them strength by just preaching the word. Then we began talking to them that they could do things away from the land, like basket weaving, like uh, petty trading in the market, selling things in the market. Uh, like you can hire land. So we began to give them meaning in life by involving them in working and also with the word of God and social gathering they would meet. Every Thursday, the widows meet uh, at Ebenezer. So that brought them together, and uh, they're able to approach small microfinance. They're able to do a little micro, merry-go-round. So that's where we began. But today it is okay. different. And then we linked them to the government. Some of them were, have received cash transfer so that they could support the children they live with. Some of them have received medication 
because they were not able to access medication, but we helped them uh, to access medication. So those who are living with HIV and AIDS, uh, they can continue with normal life. Yes, and um, having fellowship, just saying that uh, situations are not permanent. Yes. So uh, you, you, you give them, you, you give them an, um, instructions or teaching not only do you train them in microfinance and give them opportunities to make an income, but but do, do you do teaching? You expose them to the word of God, but do you, how do you coordinate what God's word says with their perspective, with their worldview? Um, uh, the word of God, like this one was done uh, largely by the late Pastor Joe. Like I say, we have programs running every day within Ebenezer Life Center. And he would start his morning by 4.30. He would start with the children, build them. Not It was not him uh, preaching, but showing the children how to read the word of God and how to uh, interpret the word of God for themselves. So he put them into 12 tribes of Israel, you know? So the children belong to 12 tribes. So okay. they were a family. So they began to look at themselves as families. Then wow. he put units, different units, as teams, yes. He put the orphanage workers, our volunteer workers as teams, the primary school in Ebenezer, the nursery school, the school in Ayuayo, the secondary school, TIDO program. He put them again into units of fellowship. Yes. Okay. And then the widows program, yeah. So he began to teach them the word of God and he incorporated, yes, the material for Samaritan strategy. And he used to tell them about... Um, the, the transforming story or the power of the story. And uh, he gave them the story of the Indian boy and how in this theater, what is so, and what the doctor, the two worldviews, he began telling them, how do you look at yourself? And began to relate that with God's creation. And a lot of people began to feel that they were valuable. It doesn't matter what your gender is. What God says is what matters. Right. Praise the Lord. Yes. Ruth, with people who, uh, these children and these widows who've had such a hard life, who've been let down by those people who are meant to be taking care of them, do they ask you, uh, why are you doing this? Why are you helping me? Yes, uh, when they're young, they don't understand. They are only emotionally disturbed. But when they're older, they do understand and we see that uh, the, this is the scripture that Pastor Joe used to like, and even one of our, the bishop, the director of the institution, likes. Uh, he says that um, that uh, when I was sick, you know, when I was hungry, when I was naked, you know. So he said, you know, this you bring in, you bring in, and they have uh, a lot of compassion. I think we show them so much of their vulnerability. We involve them in activities like extracurricular activity, singing and dancing, music. I do you do what you call talent building. So we have very good musicians. People who have come out to be very good musicians from the same program and um, people who are um, soccer, you know, oriented. And we have some friends who also do annual everybody's birthday. And at that time, uh, you dress properly. Like uh, last time we made them, for them clothes like the one I'm wearing. The boys had shirt and the girls had. So we involve them in activities. And, uh, and and they go for competition and they win. So 
uh, with time they just feel, yes, I can make a difference. And then when the little children come who have been abandoned, now they feel like I'm even better. At least I know where I come from. But these ones don't even know where they come from. So they say, if I cry, what will they do? Because we keep getting new children. So you can't, you cannot be static. So, and then there is life, you know, they live, if you come, they play normally. And my home is a home for them. They can come watch the TV, like the little ones would even come up to my bedroom. So when my husband passed on, they came to look for him in the bedroom and they were asking me, where did pastor go to? And I told them he went to heaven. So, <laughs> so last Saturday we were celebrating him and I took them to the grave where he was um, buried, the graveyard. And uh, they were giving their testimonies about pastor. I have some clips I would send to Bob sometime. But uh, yeah. we just make life. Yeah, Joe used to tell them that he was teaching them how to have life eternal. So even now they keep asking me, has he gone to heaven? I tell them, yes. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Amen. Uh, Ruth, I have a, a question. Uh, and that is, you've, you've been doing this now. Uh, you and Joe started this 20 years ago. Now he's in heaven. And watching from above, he must be very joyful. Uh, not only seeing what you see, but seeing beyond the things that God has done that you can't even see um, because of your faithfulness. But um, but from the the earthly perspective, uh, after twenty years, tell us some stories of change and transformation that you've seen come about because of. Uh, your and Joe's sacrifice for these kids? Yes, so there is transformation uh, in terms of um, uh, initially we were taking children up to grade 8. Then Joe said that doesn't transform a child. So we've taken children to college level and they have built different careers. So quite a number of them are professional and our school, almost a, a third of the school or a quarter of the staff are Ebenezer children who've trained in, in, in teaching. And we call that one quarter, quarter of, the of the staff or 25, yeah, 25% or 25 of the employees are Ebenezer, uh, original vulnerable children. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so that is, and uh, we are also seeing that uh, our total dependency on um, foreign support. Uh, it's going down. Uh, the last time we had um, uh, our, our what, annual report, uh, yeah. we were receiving 60% donor, 40% local. And so we felt like we are moving towards uh, some semblance of sustainability. Okay. And now, uh, Would you clarify that for us? I just want to make sure we have that right. What percentage um, of your total budget are you, no, of the cash that you receive? What percentage of that comes from outside and what comes from local? Local is 40% and uh, 40%. Yes. And external, that's overseas and uh, local donors, that is 60%. Okay. So local donors and overseas is 60%. Yes, yes. Yes. And then? Ebenezer. And the then programs. from the programs in Ebenezer, you raise 40%. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, 
Um, that's the money you receive. I think you told me at a different time that um, in terms of what your budgeted needs are, you only you don't receive the full amount of what your of what the needs are to run these eight different programs. What percentage of your budget do you have? Did you raise last year? Uh, last year, uh, because you, we have like recurrent budget of every day's use. Yeah, we have budget capital budget for development. So we probably now are most are doing uh, what like recurrent budgets, but we needed to do also capital budget in terms of investing in facilities. Right. So last in terms of your yeah. oper- in terms of your operational budget, um, yes. How much do you receive? What percentage? Like of Yes, like I'm saying, what percent we receive, uh, I, I think I would say that um, uh, because if we go where well, that is like $3 million per month, $3 million, but uh, we receive between one point three to one point six, and sometimes we go up to 1.8. So okay, the rest well that, of the budget. Okay, that's only, that's only about half of what you need. So how do you make up for the rest of it? And that's why our, our partners have charged us to be able to also raise uh, funds by our activities. Okay. And this year they've even given us a hostel. So we are going to be admitting more people in a more decent place. And so when we admit them, we'll charge them for the accommodation and we'll raise more school fees. So then that's what I'm saying 40% of the budget will come from us. Right. Uh, but we, yes. But you don't, but. When you don't have enough, I think you told me that your staff voluntarily only take a percentage of their salary in order to yes. continue. Yes, like I once said, during this pandemic, we don't have enough. So they only take a small percentage. Those who are working full time are the ones we pay. Some people are on half pay, some are quarter pay. Uh, because then we agree. But even in normal times when we don't raise enough money, because sometimes even with the donor, sometimes there's never enough money. So we go on a, a, a half pay. We we, 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 are, we look at the money and then we apportion it according to the money that we have. And people have understood. And, and so they're willing to continue even at a half or a quarter pay. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. Because uh, we say that uh, we pray, like uh, on Friday, we pray for our donors on Friday. Okay, Ruth is. um, uh, So, parents know, uh, tell us that there's not going to be enough money. And uh, we we support them. For those who are. And we also look for. And we don't stress them that they have, we know it is great. Hello, sorry, somebody's interfering with this one. I'm sorry. Yes, we've got a technical problem here. For those who are listening to to this edition of the Kingdom and Stories, we're interviewing Ruth O'Reilly, who's from Western Kenya, and uh, she and her husband, Joe, Joe is in heaven now. Um, but um, they began this ministry about 20 years ago, and they're they're dealing with perhaps 
a thousand uh, young people and widows. So it's the very vulnerable widows and orphans that they have a, a multiple phase program with about eight different programs uh, that they've been running. And we've been interviewing Ruth and unfortunately we've have been having some technical difficulties. But Ruth, I think we're back on now. So, yes. so let's continue. Ruth, I'd love, love to ask you. So you have approximately a, a thousand people that you're serving. Uh, you have classes. There's healthcare in regards to AIDS and housing and, and, and food. And there's sports and there's games and there's uh, training people so that they can fiscally provide for themselves. Also, on top of that, you're currently studying for a PhD. I, my question is, are you superhuman? How do, how do you do all this? Uh, I have um, each department has a head who has the department. So we have the, the, the heads of departments meeting, executive committee. And so in this the executive committee, we 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 meet every week, but uh, at the end of the year we have a plan, a work plan and budgets. So we know exactly what we need uh, week by week by week, month by month. So when they raise their requisition and their orders and whatever, we just sit to deliberate every week, and uh, the work goes on. And the departments supervise, uh, they, they, they are able to supervise the people who work with them. We have an administrator who oversees the whole project also. So we have many feet and many hands that we work with. And we thank God because of that. And like I told you, we have younger people now from the program who are fast, who, who have the energy. And it's, I think it's just getting better as the time goes by. But I, I have to say this. But I received a lot of support from my husband, who was the chaplain. And uh, he, he was very energetic. Uh, he's a man who'd only sleep for three hours. And uh, uh, he, because he, he did chaplaincy and he had this Samaritan strategy material, he incorporated it and smoothly began to change, not just Ebenezer, but even the community around us. And if you go to different homes, you will be able to hear stories of how Joe bought maybe a water pump for this home so that they could do agriculture. You'd hear how he sponsored a child to go to school, how he bought uniforms for children. So he, in a small way, he always planted a seed. And um, uh, that influenced all of us, even at Ebenezer. And we try to reach out in, with whatever small we have. We don't wait for big things. And we have learned to speak the words of Jesus, words that bring hope. Yes, it is possible uh, with the, with those who believe in God. And we have seen the Lord raise widows from nothing, from sick beds, you know, to become beautiful women again. That is something. We have seen children grow from their very vulnerable situation, day old, three months old, to big men and women who are now getting married. This is a miracle. Yes, so we have many people. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What an encouragement <laughs> to uh, to just see how God has enabled you to be his hands and his feet to minister to hundreds um, up to the thousand plus mark of, of individuals at one time. 
when I think of 20 years, I, I just, my mind goes crazy to think about how many people God has allowed you to touch with his yes. hand and his feet. Ruth, um, we just very quickly, can you think of one person, you gave us an example before of of kids that had grown up and gone to school um, and uh, and and graduated and now have come back. I I know that you've got lots of stories, but I, unfortunately, I just saw from our technician that we don't have time for you to tell those stories. So I I want to close Ruth by thanking you so much, and I also want to encourage our listeners. God has challenged you and me as we have listened today. Ask the Lord, how can you be his hands and his feet today? May God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.